Well, music and movie fans, this is Sutton, your host on Sutton on Cinema and Sound. And I'm joined here today by my mother. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you again this week. Uh, today we're doing something different. We are reviewing a James Bond movie. And this is the sixth movie in the series called On Her Majesty's Secret Service. This movie picks up on kind of loosely on the plot thread from the previous some of the previous movies, in which Bond is tracking down uh, a villain named Blofeld, who is uh, the leader of the crime syndicate known as Spectre. Uh, he finally tracks him down to uh, uh, to a research facility known as Piz Gloria, that is on located on top of the of the Switzerland Alps. Uh, Bond poses as a genealogist, Hilary Bray, so that he can lure Blofeld into a different country where he may legally arrest him. And uh, in this, and Blofeld in this research facility, uh, he's pre- kind of the act here is that he has brought these girl these women from all over the world who ha- who are suffering from allergy problems, and he's supposedly finding cures for their allergies through. Uh, usage of hypnosis, but we, what he's actually doing is he's hypnotizing them so that when they are released into their respective parts, their respective uh, homes all over th- all over the world, they bring back with them these uh, viruses so that he can hold the world to ransom for using a, I guess a biological warfare. If that I think that's what it's called. Generally, a very it's a very kind of almost silly, uh, plot. But yeah, a lot of the Bond plots are like that with villains that have these really big goals. What makes this movie definitely one of the most unique ones in the franchise is it's the only movie that is that has an actor who plays the the main role of Bond only once. This is George Lazenby's only time playing James Bond. And it's the first time that the Bond girl is not played by Sean Connery. Why is that, though? Why was this George's only uh, starring role as Bond? Well, the reason why he didn't want to keep doing was he, uh... Well, his agent was kept telling him that he really didn't think that a franchise would survive the changing culture of the, of the, of the 1970s. Uh, a little background knowledge, this movie was made in 1969, which was, of course, when the Vietnam War protests were in full force. It was the peace movement, the era era of the hippies, and just the counterculture. So, George Lazenby would, during filming, would sometimes go out in restaurants, and he saw that all the males were, they looked like hippies. They had their hair really long and rugged, and they had their beards beards grown out. But George was the only one in these places that retained like his clean cut appearance, and he just he he couldn't help but agree with his agent that he didn't think that the franchise would survive into the changing culture of the nineteen seventies. Of course, this is two thousand twenty one, and the twenty fifth movie released a couple months ago. So he was kind of embarrassingly wrong. Of course, the the franchise adapted with the times, and it's it's. I think at this point existed for about half as long as cinema has been around. Uh, and the reason why, of course, he had a takeover from Sean Connery uh, was Sean Connery did five movies. He 
he just he felt really tired with the he wasn't getting along along with the with the producers anymore, and he was worried about getting typecast. Although Sean Connery did return officially one more time in the movie that follows this movie, because they they actually thought that George would uh sign a, a contract for some more films, which but because George didn't sign it, they had to kind of rush and find someone else. And he was so talented in this. I mean, I watched this and just figured he went on to do other amazing films. And did you say he didn't act anymore or he just didn't do any he, more Bond he, films? He did. He felt he didn't do any more Bond films. And he, uh, there's a really interesting story involving him. Uh, are you familiar with the... With the the story of Kibby Hedron and how her career started? No, not how it started. Okay, well, Will Hitchcock, you may know this, but Hitchcock basically discovered her. Uh, I think Hitchcock was in a, uh, was in like, uh, getting his hair cut, or just in the barbershop, mm-hmm. and he saw her, I believe, on a commercial, and he became interested in her. So then uh, Hitchcock's f- next film called The Birds, had her had her as the starring role, even though she had never acted in a film or a show before. It was just that one commercial. It was wow. just a commercial. I didn't know that. Same thing with this. Oh my goodness. George George never acted before, okay. except for he was in a he was discovered through a chocolate bar commercial. I did read that. Yeah, but he was he wore in a suit and apparently looked Bond like. So the one of the producers reached out to him and. Like offered for him to come in and just so that they could speak, mm-hmm. and George, uh, and George, when he was asked about his qualifications, since he'd never acted before, he gave he said, "Oh, I've done like a film in Germany. I've and just gave all these German countries that he knew that they wouldn't be able to check on because it was the Cold War, so they couldn't." Okay, that's smart. Yeah, <laughs> and then he was uh, so then. Uh, things were actually looking kind of promising for him, and then he was asked uh, back to do an audition. And then when he came back, he 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 told uh, the producer that he just came clean and said, like, oh, I, I don't belong here. I've never acted before. And the the producer kind of looked at him silently, and then suddenly started laughing. And then he uh, said, you say. Something like, you say you can't act, but you just made me think that you were an actor. That's acting. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's technically true. Uh, yeah, and then I think I also read that he, George, was discouraged on the set. He felt like there weren't people that were helping him enough with the acting. You know, coaching, yeah. acting, coaching. I don't know if there's any truth to I've that. I've heard you know, there was something going on with him being the, the new Bond where mm-hmm. there was tension on the set. From George's side, I've heard that uh, he felt like people weren't li- listening to him that much because he he just he didn't have you know film experience that the others had, but from uh, from the other people who worked on the film, I've heard that uh, George was surprisingly egotistical and hard to work with, considering that it was his first movie. You other co-stars said yeah, that yeah yeah they actually have okay. um, so and when this movie was released. The movie itself and uh, George Lazenby, uh, they it was the recept critical re- reception was mixed. People just thought it was meh, kind of a disappointment compared to the past movies. Honestly, uh, 
of course now this is considered one of the best movies in the franchise. This was something that we actually talked about from another when we reviewed something else from 1969 that was Abbey Road which was something else that people were disappointed by when it was released but now it's one of the best Beatles albums. Uh, I think one of the reasons why that was was I know you haven't you don't have as much knowledge about the other Bond movies of the 60s but this is a very different movie. The other the other Sean Connery movies had a much emph- bigger emphasis on gadgets. Mm. So they were more flashy, colorful, and the gadgets they're they're fun, but they are kind of gimmicky. They they're 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 pretty much like they're colorful toys. They don't uh meanwhile like an action movie without ga- in an action movie without gadgets, the main the main heroes have to like use they have to really plan things out. They don't have these like devices to rely on. So I feel like this movie overall was just a lot more realistic than the previous movies. It wasn't as a- there was a lot of action in here, but it wasn't as I guess explosive as uh or col or like intensely colorful as the uh, as the previous installments. Yeah, I thought that the filmography was fantastic and really beautiful. And then reading about the um, or seeing the avalanche, that part of that was a real avalanche that really happened. And part of it was kind of staged mm-hmm. in an area that you know, jumping ahead to the avalanche that. Um, was done for the movie and just uh, just kept thinking about the big budget on a movie like that from way back when. Yeah, you mentioned both the uh, like the filmography as well as the basically the special effects. Yes. So first, uh, let me talk about the directing. This is directed by P- a man named Peter Hunt. Mm-hmm. He was an editor on the previous Bond films, so he had experience working on the Bond series. But this was his very first film, and that mm-hmm. yeah, this is a really impressive achievement. This uh, it's I think it became really clear at the beginning when Bond is in the hotel casino that the sets are very lavishly decorated and the filmography is great too. Just a lot of really fantastic production design work, mm-hmm. as well as of course cinematography and I, the the action the action sequence sequences are really smartly filmed too. I I really get the impression that they are filmed. So they were like intended to be edited in like a very specific way while they were filming. They really planned. They planned out the shots well ahead of time before they, they of course worked on editing, which would have taken place after they had filmed everything. Uh, and it's sad that Peter didn't go on to direct any other Bond oh, films. Oh, he, he didn't. And I really don't know why that is. I hope it wasn't because this film didn't do as well. Mm. This was one of the biggest the biggest blockbusters of the year, but it was definitely a noticeable drop-off from the previous Bond films. Did he go off to do any other type of films? He definitely directed more, but I don't think any that were as notable as this one. Kind of like George Lazenby, well, George himself, because he turned down Bond, I think he hoped to still have some kind of a career, but he just faded into complete obscurity after this. Interviews at the time, as I mentioned, they were mixed of the film and mixed of George Lazenby. A lot of people said he was just a poor replacement for Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. And I will say that I, th- I don't think he is as good as Sean Connery. 
You may say, well, that's unfair. Sean had five, already had five films. Of course, he had a lot of time to, uh, to figure things out. But I think even comparing Sean Connery's first Bond film with this film, Sean, Sean in his very first Bond film, Doctor No, he definitely knew how to command a scene and knew how to allow the other his co-stars to play off of his own acting. I don't get the impression that George Lazenby uh, is as confident with his acting skills, and I don't feel as if the other his co-stars are able to act off of him as much as he act, acts off of his other co-stars. But considering that it is his very first, he, he's never acted before, I think it's still impressive work by him. I think he did a great job in this movie. Absolutely agree. And I honestly kind of wish he did agree to do more because I think he he would have improved his acting as time went on. And I I would have looked forward to seeing what you know what he how he would have improved. Yeah, he would have could have won some big awards too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so another. I think, did, I'm sorry, just to interrupt, who was course. the actress, the main actress, what was her name? Funny, oh. that, was, that was the next thing I was okay, going to bring perfect. up. Tracy, this was, right? Tracy was the name of the character, right. played by Diana Rigg. And so while Bond was, they cast an unknown actor as Bond, right. uh, Diana Rigg had a fair amount of uh, notability because she was in a popular show called The Avengers. Uh, so... I wonder if they kind of cast her as cast known actress in order to kind of to make up for casting an unknown mm-hmm. as Bond, especially since in the previous films Sean Connery was so famous, but the the people who were, the actresses who were cast as the Bond girls were like were the unknowns, yeah. and they were themselves often models. One of the reasons why I feel like. This movie, why I really want to review this movie, and why I feel like it's so different from the previous movies, is the the Bond, the quote unquote Bond girl, which is Tracy. Mm-hmm. The uh, of course, just like the that the term Bond girl, it kind of indicates how this series is, especially the earlier installments, were criticized for having for having the female co- the female co stars kind of treated as. Like beauty objects who were used and then disposed of by Bond himself. And he, in some of the movies, uh, some of the Bond girls were villains themselves who were converted to the side of good just by, bon- just by Bond's uh, sheer magnetism. He makes love to them and then suddenly they, because they're so attracted to him, they become, they suddenly they become good guys. Uh, but yeah, Tracy in this movie, uh, I feel like she's not, she feels like a more fully fleshed character. Mm-hmm. She has, it becomes clear that she, of course, the opening scene, or maybe the second, op- the second scene is when Bond se- saves her from committing suicide. She comes to drown herself in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, she's created with like a lot more realism and is just more multidimensional. She's not like a just a pretty girl. She's or? yeah, just not a one-dimensional beauty object. That bond that is used within the story to to further the plot. Okay, and is that typical? I'm not and for, for the audience to know. I'm not a typical bond. I haven't seen all the films, so is that more typical in most of the films? Uh, definitely. I think 
Yeah, like in the like in the beginning, Bond saves her twice, once from the suicide, and then twice when she just recklessly gambles despite not having any money. Mm-hmm. So then she's in serious doubt, but then Bond pays forth the money, and then I I feel like what honestly are probably expecting is for him to just kind of like sweep her off her feet and then kiss her and uh yeah that doesn't really happen and then you mentioned how during the movie there was this shot where the camera kind of pivots yeah. to the bushes yeah and i th- and i think that indicates that yeah they they do make love but it's not it's it's tr- it's treated as just more a pl- it's just a plot point i feel like it was intentionally done it wasn't it wasn't glorifying her beauty, I right, guess. Right, not in your face, or you it was more insinuated that, yeah. 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 And one of the things that makes this movie so beautiful to look at is, of course, I think just the settings, the location, the location filming, uh, which is brought to us by Peter Hunt's directing, and of course the the all the location footage from Swiss, from the Switzerland Alps. They were gorgeous. It made I just commented how many times during the movie it was just beautiful and and from 1969 1969 yeah yeah this 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 was the sixth movie in the series they actually originally changed this to be the fifth movie Mm -hmm. but they postponed it because they knew it would take a while for them to do the research researching locations to film this in and i think it's clear that they only took a lot of time figuring out the best places to shoot this movie at and all the different uh, shots I'm sure were like really well edited together like they just the montages to the locations and as a second time viewer of this movie mm-hmm. uh when Bond for the first time is like he's tra- in a helicopter traveling to the Piz Gloria which is the research facility at the top of the the Alps yes uh I really I I know you didn't pick up on this because I think it was meant for second time viewers okay. but I the but like the camera it was showing all the different kind of sub like sub locations that that would later appear in like when Bond tries to escape it with the ski chase and just and like it showed like the bobsleds oh, okay. in detail yeah. and yeah it was fun seeing that for the second time. I'll look for that next yeah. time I watch. <laughs> uh, and was the and to bring it back to uh the character Tracy. Yes. She, uh, she does feel, I feel like this, in this film, she could have risked being a gainsaw in distress. Uh, although, on the contrary, she actually saves, she actually saves Bond, which is probably one of my, probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Bond, Bond, there's a, an exciting ski chase scene where Bond uh, escapes the facility and then He's in like this kind of town at the bottom with this ice skating rink, and then you see the the different like orange city villains suddenly like increasing in the in their numbers, and then the number of shots increases the and the the number the duration of time it it spends on each shot shot decreases, so you really get this buildup of tension. Yes. And then suddenly, like Bond just kind of stops walking. He sits down and then, like, hunches himself over, and kind of like he's like out of options. And then suddenly, Tracy comes on the ice skating rink. Skating rink. It, 
it feels like incredibly unexpected and kind of like a moment of fantasy. Yeah. Like I'm sure this was to kind of matches what Bond supposedly felt. But the reason why she was there is because her father told her that. Yeah, and the camera just showed her legs, her beautiful (laughs) legs, and kind of panned up to her face, and you realize it was Tracy. Yeah, and of course, she eventually was kidnapped by the villain Blofeld himself. And that's, I think, when she most risked falling to gamesel and distress stereotypes, especially when Bond... Uh, goes in the helicopters and mm. oh, and says he he has to rescue her, but she actually like fends for herself. She she attacks the henchman, and I think uh, I don't know if I said this already, but I think Diana Rigg probably gives the best performance in this movie, in my opinion. I think one of the I think one of my favorite parts of her acting is when she she finds out that a helicopter is coming. And then she tries to kind of distract Blofeld by acting, suddenly acting all interested in him. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's fun kind of seeing her act as another character who is kind of acting for him, for like his pleasure. Uh, and of course, the you recognize she was playing the main villain, Blofeld, uh, Kelly Savalas. Yes. Yeah, what do you think of him? Yeah, he. I was watching him and realizing he was perfect for that role, and I could only see him playing a role like that. You know? What yeah, you think? I, I, I think there, there were, the previous villains in the series were, perhaps more interestingly written than him. Okay. But I think Kelly Savalas definitely, he definitely. He's meant to be helps, a villain. Yeah, he, he <laughs> definitely might be a villain, and I think he really makes he's what makes the the role interesting. Now has he been in the other Bond films? No. Oh, okay. As I mentioned, this continues a, a very the kind of a loose thread from the previous movies where uh, the character Blofeld disappeared, but he's played by a German actor. Okay. The reason why he, that was was because they thought that the previous actor can was wouldn't be capable of handling like the more physical, oh. like the, a lot of the more physical traits that he was required to in this movie, and of course that I think that they were probably thinking about the climax of this, of this movie, which is, may sound silly, but it is a bobsled chase. Right. With uh, Blofeld escaping the, the top, the summit of the mountain through a bobsled, and then Bond pursuing him. Uh, it's silly having a bobsled chase as the climax of, of an action film, but it, worked, it works. It, it's, it it's very yeah. exciting. Uh, I think I... Yeah, you brought you briefly brought up special effects mm-hmm. with the avalanche, yes. and I can't get you, uh, kind of go back to that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, yeah, I'm doing that now. Yes. I thought I think the special effects are really good, especially for 1969. The only time where it kind of it doesn't age that well is when, uh, when they use rear projection. Oh. Which is you know when they have this, oh. when they need shots of like the main actors like. George Lazenby as Bond and Diana Rigg as Tracy, like, skiing. And they need shots of, like, their faces yeah. as they're skiing. So they set up these, like, screens behind the actors. And I think it kind of, it, it comes up as obvious where the backgrounds look a lot darker, darkly lit compared to them. And they look a lot more two-dimensionalist. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but I'm going to cut them some slack from back in the day. That's but, true. But, but I, I agree. It was, uh, yeah, like, it was kind of funny, you know. Maybe, like 5% of the special yeah, effects. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, the other 95%. Were amazing. Yeah, of yeah. course, the skunk work as well. Mm-hmm. The Bond series, I feel like, has always pioneered skunk work. Even in this, the modern era of CGI, they, they always try to do as many practical effects as possible. And then they do, and then they use CGI to kind of fill in the cracks where they weren't really able to, uh, stuff that would have been impossible for them to accomplish. Yeah, I read that they did that with the uh, skiers, you know, for yeah. some of it. Yeah, like an example of that is in the in, uh, one of the last Bond movies from two thousand fifteen, where they run a record for the biggest ex- movie, the biggest explosion ever detonated for the sake of a movie. So. Oh. Yeah, they, they, they've always pioneered near practical effects, and there was some really great stunt work in this movie. I highly recommend it, even for, I'd say, besides the plot being so good, for the beauty, the filmography, the scenery, and just appreciating the stunt work and the acting from 1969. I, I really enjoyed it more than I thought yeah. I would. And That's, I'm not a huge mm-hmm. Bond fan, by the way audience but i became a huge one after this film great i'm really enjoy uh, glad you enjoyed this movie uh but spoiler warning because one more thing i really want to allude to in this movie is the ending this is the only time in the franchise that uh bond actually uh, bond actually marries uh someone and that is, is of course tracy uh in fact he leaves the the title the Her majesty's secret service for the sake of starting a new life with tracy but it, it's not, it, all of it seems like the, set, the potential sub for a really happy ending. Uh, it sadly isn't, as Tracy is suddenly killed by the, the main henchman of the movie, who I think we assumed were Blofeld probably was killed off in the bobsled chase, but well, yeah, he, ultimately he, he, he is in like a neck brace in the, like the brief shot that we see him in. And I think one thing that you, you said felt kind of odd was uh, it, the tone of it felt kind of awkward. It just, like, Bond didn't, so that Bond didn't feel as heartbroken as he supposedly should have been. And I feel like it wasn't going for, like, the melodrama of Bond suddenly breaking into sobs. I think it was just going for more of a silent disbelief. Like, like the police officer rolls up and then, like, Bond says, like, lines like it, you know it's she's just resting and we had all the time in the world uh i have seen this movie before where i feel like the atmosphere really worked in the final scene but i think the problem with maybe our personal viewing was in in the living in like the living room it we're, the much the our mental attitude is more like okay now what happens next what's next but if you're in like if there's we're playing in, in the theater where I think the atmosphere really, it, it gives, the atmosphere is given like a much greater chance to really have the build, the build up that yeah, needs. Yeah, and I also, similar, along the same lines of that final scene, I heard that uh, the director really tried to exhaust um, George that day, had him come in early, I don't know if you've heard that too, mm-hmm. and so that he'd be, he just worked him to the bone <laughs> that whole day up until that final scene was filmed around five o'clock because he wanted him just like emotionally drained or not emotionally drained but just tired so he would really you know feel and show the feelings from that scene and i just expected maybe a tear to roll down his face or 
a little more emotion. I was just kind of surprised that that was the end right there. But. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah. I actually didn't know that, but mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> the reason why I volunteer Luke this was because, uh, well, of course, this, this film is based on one of the Ian Fleming novels, and the Bond series uh, has definitely deviated a lot. Some of the movies have deviated a lot from the, the novels, Especially now, where they have basically exhausted all of the original novel material that was mm -hmm. written, so at this point they're coming up with their own their origi own original stories, and the just the James Bond character is the only remaining factor. Uh, but this is one of the most faithful applications of the novel, and of course this is one of the this is the way the novel ends kill, and George actually when he George loved the novel and he actually did cry at when he read the ending of it. So then when he was filming that scene, he had his copy of the book mm -hmm. like behind underneath the dashboard. Oh. So that when they were filming, he like he would like clip to the last pages of the book and then skim it. And then he like managed to make himself cry. And for someone who's never acted before, I I I can't believe that someone had had managed to make make themselves cry on command. Cause that's something that I think only really advanced actors yeah. can do, but but then the director Peter Stavkin, he said Bond doesn't cry. Oh, okay. But I do like how I think like the very end of the shot is when Bond finally, uh, kind of hovers like, kind of crowd like correct, I guess kind of embraces the Tracy's body, and then he has his head down, and then I I and then he just. I, you can hear him kind of making sobs. And I wonder if he did that kind of without consulting with the director. I, I, I do like how he kind of, I feel like he did the most that he could do. In conclusion, this is definitely one of my favorite movies of the, of the entire franchise. It's, uh, I think, yeah, it was really progressive in its use of the quote-unquote Bond girl. I think the acting is really good as well, of course, as the location filming and just, yeah, the action scenes. It's a really exciting picture. I agree. Thanks for suggesting it, Sutton, and I enjoyed speaking with you about it. Yeah, thanks for yeah joining to speak about it. Tune in next time for another great episode of Such an On Cinema and Sound. Bye. Bye. Bye.